we put our heads together to both reimagine and lift the bar on what a modern motocross helmet should be. Opt for the highest level of modern technology and energy dispersion with the Fly Racing Formula Helmet. Designed for an elevated defense against a wider range of real-world impact scenarios. Globally engineered with the most advanced materials and technologies available. Outfit yourself with proven technology, lightweight performance, and elevated impact management with the Fly Racing Formula Helmet. Hey everybody, this is Michael Antonovich bringing you this week's episode of the Fly Racing Swap Moto Podcast on SwapMotoLive.com. I wanted to change things up a bit this week. Uh, I've been watching a lot of practice videos and everything that goes on, and I've been fortunate enough to see a lot of the work that goes in on a day-to-day basis at places like the Baker's Factory or Moto Sandbox or Blake Baggett's Place, wherever. And after watching all that for so long, I've always wondered, what is a normal testing or moto practice day like for a racer? So figured, uh, let's put together a list of questions and then give a guy a call up. And one of the best guys to talk about all this with is Rockstar Energy, Husqvarna, Factory Racing, Zach Osborne. So Zach's on the line with me today. We're going to talk about what a moto routine is like for a top-level racer. So, Zacho, what... uh? Do you enjoy like the typical day-to-day grind? You seem like a dude that really, really enjoys everything about it. Yeah, that's kind of my jam. Um, just the the day-to-day routine, uh, something that I really thrive on, and um, something that I've kind of learned to love over the last sort of ten years. And um, you know, the 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 money's made during the week, in my opinion. The the weekends are just the execution part of things, which I'm I know is very cliche and has been said a million times, but. It's, it's actually really true um, for me especially. Okay, cool. So uh, let's just go ahead and jump right into this stuff because we have so much time and a lot of questions, and you being a very thorough guy, I know you're going to give very thorough answers, so <laughs> we'll get into it. Um, so when you go for just a normal routine practice day, you know, you show up to Alden's place, what is the time frame like, and then is there a certain schedule for each day that you ride is one day more of a speed day is another day a skill and technique day is the next day an endurance day like how do you guys determine what is what um well we have something in the morning every day uh including sunday so there will be either a bike ride or some sort of cardio in the morning before riding or before whatever we're doing that day um tuesdays are typically our longer day uh as far as motos go uh monday and thursday uh are more of uh one moto and some sprints or skill work or section or, or whatever um is on the program that day uh so we, we typically during the season we ride monday tuesday thursday and then race saturday obviously um there's not there's not a ton of variation for us during the weeks uh during the season um it's pretty straightforward you could kind of almost copy and paste the program from the week before but um it's just about that routine and and uh repetition that gets the job done i think okay so then when you go to the track on a certain day do you have an idea in your head maybe there was a weakness that you had the weekend before that you're trying to alleviate or address or is that just we'll fix it amid all of the other things that we have going on um well it's hard to really fix things from you know from a, on a week-to-week basis in my opinion you can do a lot of a lot with the bike on a week-to-week basis but as far as fixing like a, a mechanical deal with your riding is is a little bit more long term say three to four weeks or even a couple of months depending on the issue um but it, for me i'm you know i'm 30 years old i've done this a long long time so 
I feel like any time that I do a lot of changing technique-wise, it, it sets me back um, for some time to come because it's not automatic. You know, when I ride my best when everything is just muscle memory and, and I'm just as automatic as, you know, walking. Um, but with that said, we do uh, – I do review a lot of races and, and look back and see what I can fix or change or – you know, even looking at other guys to see what they're doing that I'm not doing. Um, there, I, I probably do a lot on my own that maybe other guys don't do, uh, as far as review and, and studying, uh, myself and, and other guys. Do you do that with races that are on TV or do you use the footage that the team shoots of you? No, I don't really, we don't really have that much access to the footage of the team. Um, after we leave the track, uh, I, I use, basically every uh outlet you know on online um so you're like watching gopros all that yeah all that um i watch old races i watch new races i watch everything okay is that something that you picked up later on or have you always been that way um it's probably like become a little bit of an obsession over the last three or four years um but you know analyzing and, and watching other guys is some, something I've always done my whole career because I think, you know, you can learn a lot more from, from other people than you can from yourself. And, and you just have to try to kind of apply it to yourself um, as best as you can. Okay. Do you ever see maybe a new technique or something that comes into play, like especially with the guys that you're around, that you try to work into your writing, or is it just so concrete of your writing style now that you're so loose and scrubbing and all that stuff? Um, the, the style is pretty concrete, but I feel like over the last two-ish years, the, the game's changed a little bit as far as cornering goes. Um, a lot lower in the corners. A lot lower, and, and but this year it kind of went back to the high line a little bit um, because I felt like there was a, a big TV gap that we had to wait on the starting line um, before the main event, and they were able to do a lot more track prep, so those higher lines stay better, and, and you can obviously – carry considerable more amount of speed you know east coast it, it starts to get lower and lower but but that's where i was missing the boat you know looking back um on the west coast races is like those guys were riding so many just riding the rail of the berm at the at the very top and um that's kind of where i missed the boat but that's something that you know i go all winter practicing staying low because that's one of my really big strengths is you know turning really tight and, and popping the jump out of the corner or you know, even keeping just good enough speed in, in the bottom of the corner is, is hard sometimes because you can be like, uh, we here at the Baker's factory, we can be like literally in the flat, you know, at the bottom, bottom of the bull corner sometimes. So, um, that, that's also a learned skill, but yeah, like I said, the, the game's changed a little bit this year, especially, um, with the track being a little bit fresher for our main, uh, with guys railing and, and being a little bit more open in the corners. Why was it that so many people have gotten that low line of the bike so or in the turn so much? Is that a bike setup thing where everybody wants to make the wheelbase super narrow and and make it to where they block the inside line off, or is it just a habit that everybody kind of fell into? Well, I think you know obviously the 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 maximum speed line is the top line as fast as you can go around it, but then that gets rough, then you move down, then you move down, then you move down, and then all those get rough, so then you kind of go back to the top. you know that's that's you know where i see a big difference right now is 
looking back to my lights years or maybe even last year a little bit more than this year is um, you go to the from the top to the bottom back to the top back to the bottom and then then things start to blow out you know um, but this year there's just the tracks have been way fresher and uh, I feel like it's the the cornering game has kind of changed a little bit Okay, at Alden's place, I know that he's super particular about how everything goes. And when you guys show up every day, the grass is cut, everything's in order, the track's all fresh. Is it hard for you guys to replicate the race conditions, or is it because so many dudes ride and he has this down to a science that you can have a rough race-style track on a Tuesday-Wednesday? Oh, no, definitely that's one of our strengths, I would say, is is having um, really gnarly conditions track-wise. Um, you know, there's seven or eight guys now including the the lights guys um that ride the tracks and there's not a ton of prep you know he's pretty pretty uh open-ended with how much prep we get you know we can ask for a couple of things but it's not like we show up every day and it's fresh or you know there's new whoops or whatever so um that's one thing he's he's really pretty lax on is is you know making sure that or not lax he's lax on letting us or he's strict on letting us choose what we're going to fix. You know, he's not going to let us just be like, Hey, Corey, can you fix the whole track, you know, uh, for tomorrow after a Monday? So, you know, we know, um, what, what we're up against and we can request a turn here, a turn there, or maybe a jump face that's sketchy, but there's never going to be like a fresh track every day of the week. Okay. Uh, How often do you guys change the layup of a track, like the layout of a track? Or is it pretty much the same general, hey, these are these lanes, this is what this rhythm is like the whole time? Yeah, well, we have three tracks, so um, we don't get a, a ton of change. There, there's some adjustments, like, you know, one one t- single cut and a half can change an entire section. So um, sometimes we'll get something like that or, um, you know, just a, a small section that'll change, that'll change the whole track, changes the whole flow of how everything's going, so... Um, as far as like a complete section ch- section changes, um, it's not very often, but we do get some some adjustments that that change the the way things go a little bit. Okay, that leads me into this next thing. Um, considering the fact that you guys ride pretty much the same layout over and over, do you monitor the la- like? Do you know this is the fastest lap time that you could do on this track? And then are you always trying to chase that, or is that something that you put out of mind because like? that's not important just trying to be the fastest over and over and over again isn't the best way it's being solid all the way around for a moto um well that depends on the time of year i think um during boot camp there's definitely um an urgency to set those laps and just hammer until you can't do them anymore um during the rest of the season you know there's a little bit of management going on um for each guy with uh how they're feeling, how the weekend before was, if they're sore, if they crashed, all that stuff, you know. So there's there's a little bit of, of like, managing the, the whole series. You know, boot camp is to really prepare us for the series, and then there's a lot of, like, little variables that, that change things during the season. But um, back to your question, yeah, the we do get – we do have those days where we're like, you know, the track is sick, you're going to get it you can get some some heaters right now we all know um the the lap times and and the best laps and what's what's out there what's possible um as far as the track conditions go and um you know some days we'll we'll have like an inside somewhere 
and then you can't go inside anymore. You have to go outside, and that changes the whole thing. So you know that that day is not going to be the the hero lap or whatever. So um, there's a lot of variables in it, but during definitely during our boot camp, it's it's a hammer fest. Gotcha. Um, is there a big like ego thing? Is it good for you or for other riders to to go out and do that fastest lap time and set the mark for everybody, or do you not like that? Uh, for me, it definitely is. Um, I I like that. I mean, that's kind of the point of the group to me is to elevate each other, and and that's something that Coop and I have been really good at doing is is just kind of working with each other, and um, we can both kind of check our egos at the door. Obviously, um, my results this season have been kind of subpar, um, considering what I was looking looking for coming into the season, but. Um, I think that we had a really, a really good working relationship and a really strong training camp this year. And, um, it's something that I enjoy, like the, the friendly competition. If you can find a guy that you're really comfortable with, like Kenny and AC or Eli and Jeremy or whatever. Um, I think that we've kind of worked into that, that role. Um, and I think it's, it's fun and it keeps it fun and, and friendly competition is always good. And I think we both have a good understanding that you know, we would blast each other in the last turn for a win. No, no problem. Um, but at the same time, we're going to, we're going to pick up pieces and go back to work on Monday, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, you and Cooper, I mean, this is a good relationship that you guys have, uh, very like-minded guys that just want to grind it out and do the work. Were you guys close before this, or is this all a relationship that grew out of being at Alden's place? Uh, it's basically a relationship that grew out of being at Alden's place. I, I was never a, a big Cooper Webb fan prior to. Um, oh, really? We didn't really have any, any run-ins in the lights class, but like he was the guy that I needed to beat, and I never did. You know, it was it was just one of those deals. So, um, but yeah, he's a he's a good dude and um, somebody I just kind of enjoy being around. We we hang out quite a bit away from the facility too. So, um, yeah, we're we're quite good friends. You've had a lot of different training partners. Like when you moved to Colorado and were with Eli and all the other stuff that you have done, what is it about, like what's your ideal thing in a training partner? Is it a guy that pushes you to the limit or is it a guy that you can have fun with? Is it a mix of everything? Like is there one specific thing that you like about having a riding partner? Um, a mix of everything, like personality. Um, obviously the speed factor is big. You know, I prefer them to be faster than me. Um, or really close to, um, that, those are the two biggest things, you know, I like, I'm, I'm kind of a joker, jokester. I like to joke around when we're at the track and, um, not take myself too seriously. Um, so just kind of all that, you know, it's, it's like anything in life. The people that you mesh with are, they ju it just happens, you know, and, and I've, uh, a lot of times it's the whole opposites of track rule where, um, you know, it's yin and yang, you know, Coop's really, he's 23, um, not married, but getting married. I'm 30 with two kids married, you know, so we have very different looks at life at the moment, but we, it, it's quite fun because, you know, I can make fun of him. He can make fun of me. And, um, it, it's, yeah, it's just one of those deals. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, with Alden being there, and this will go on for pretty much any riding coach, how do you ever get frustrated with him where you're like, hey, dude, you're asking us to do something that we don't feel comfortable doing or might not be possible? Or does Alden really have that good of an understanding of what you guys are capable of? 
Um, he's really good at that. I think that's one of his his biggest strengths as a coach is he he's really good at taking the how you feel part of it out of it. You know, he's been doing it for a long time, and he knows when when things are mental and when things are physical, and he has enough numbers and data on us daily to kind of have a, a good understanding of what we should be feeling and and if we're feeling extra bad or you know it's i'm super tired maybe it's more of a mental thing than than a physical thing and he's really good at recognizing that and kind of adjusting from that um i think that's yeah like i said his his biggest strength as a as a coach or a trainer is that he can kind of decipher those those codes if you will of feeling and and physical um, I don't know how to say it, you know, physical load, if you will. Um, he's, he's good at, at, uh, sort of separating those two. Gotcha. Um, we all have days where we just feel blah. Like, you know, you wake up and you're just like, oh man, this isn't going to be my day. Or maybe I just don't feel well, or just, I'm not in the flow. Do you ever have that happen? And do you have like a way that you break out of it? Or do you just have to grin and bear it and go through the day? Um, sometimes I can, sometimes I can break out of it. Sometimes though, you know, I just have to take it on the chin and, and be over it. Um, take my beating for the day and go back to the house. Um, I, I don't really know. Yeah. You just have those days and you just know that on Saturday it'll come around and everything will be okay. Gotcha. Um, one thing that I've always wanted to know, like, especially as guys that moto so much, you know, you tip over or something in a corner, or you have like a good slam. What do you do? Like, do you just wipe that whole moto out depending on the crash or do you get back up and then rejoin and, and finish it out? Like, what is the measurement of, okay, hey, you get to just wipe that whole moto away that you were in the middle of? Um, no, that, that for me, that's kind of not the thing. Um, I like to get up and, you know, I treat kind of every day as a race um, as if, I needed to score some points or do, you know, whatever, try to get back in it. And I try to get up as fast as I can and, um, get back to work. Okay. Uh, you right now are on the mend from an injury a couple of weeks ago. When you do have a hard slam like that at the test track, what is the procedure? You know, like, do you instantly know, Hey, this is bad. Or is it, all right, let me get geared out or let me get out of my gear, go back to the thing and then go take care of it from there. Like, is it a case by case basis? Yeah, it's case by case. You know, this last one was a, a massive hit. I was coughing up blood, and I was I knew that I was pretty hurt. So um, we went just straight to the hospital. We're pretty fortunate to have a, a really nice little ER about uh, five miles from the track. Um, it's all brand new. I, ro- I rolled right into the room, and um, they got me seen. Obviously, they missed some stuff on, on the x-rays and scans, but at the same time, um, yeah, it's, it's just uh, kind of, you know, if you if you're not like in severe pain or something, it's one of those deals where you just uh, go back, take your gear off, and chill, and maybe wait till the next day and see what's going on or whatever. Um, but in my my case of the last crash, it was um, pretty serious. Gotcha. Um, when the bike and all that stuff gets like kind of dinged up, do you just have to go out and finish it, or is it nice to? have the mechanic there and have the whole workshop that you guys can reset everything if need be um no just continue try to finish i mean 
Um, there's those situations that you have in racing and you try to avoid that. But at the same time, um, yeah, it's, it, it happens every now and then that you have to ride with a bent lever or some, you know, bars that aren't perfectly straight or your levers up or down or whatever. I mean, um, you just kind of get on with it. And also, you know, it's really hard. Like once you mentally, once you start a moto, um, you're, you're in it, you know? So if you say you crash, 18 minutes into a moto you're not going to want to restart that moto a and b you don't want to go out and do a 12 minute moto like that sucks so it's better to just finish it in my opinion um for me anyways you know some guys would would rather go back and restart but i would rather just grind it out and try to adjust Mm -hmm. especially as you get later in your career you don't want to do unnecessary laps that you don't have to um well it's not really about that but dude it's hard to get motivated to like completely restart the moto that you've already put over half half of it in and um you know maybe it costs you one second a lap like you're gonna learn something from that and um yeah just keep getting on with it you know yeah and i totally agree i think that's a good mindset because you're never gonna have a perfect race like they're not gonna throw the red flag and let you guys all reset because you went down in a turn on a saturday at a supercross like that's not gonna happen you have to get up and understand, hey, I can make the best of the situation because I've practiced for it already. Yeah, exactly. That, that's that's my theory, but um, maybe others are different. Yeah, and that's cool because everybody has their own take on this. You know, I did a long interview with Blake Baggett a few weeks ago, and his mindset on how he does this is completely completely opposite to a lot of other people too. So it's cool that everybody yeah. has, you know, there's it's not 2 plus 2 equals 4 every time. Everybody has their own way to get there. Yeah, um, there, there's a million ways to skin a cat, and they're, they're all correct as long as you get to the same end result you know mm-hmm. um the one thing that we always see and like me and friends talk about it when we see videos or photos from test tracks is that you guys pretty much ride that same goat trail all the way around the track there's one hot line cut all the way in are you a guy that ever deviates from that a little bit because you know that that's you're not going to be able to stick to the same line for full 20 minutes in a race are you trying different things or is it like hey, that's kind of frowned upon because you're going to mess up something somewhere. Well, that's that's mostly a California thing. And even our, our trucks in California, now that we're in Marietta, don't really get that way. Um, but I know the feeling of that. You know, I know from back in the day at the old Husky Kingdom track and even the Honda track was maybe the worst for it. It was just like that one six-inch line around the track. But, you know, it, it also adds a little bit of more intensity to the riding because you have to be so perfect, you know? Um, so it's not a, not a terrible thing. Um, and, and I like, I actually kind of like that, uh, that kind of riding because it's, it's a little bit brainless as long as you're perfect, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah, like I was saying earlier, the game's changed a little bit now with, with the cornering. So I think we almost need to go back to that, like one line deal a little bit because it's it's just right around the top of the corner and um i think that that's that teaches you a lot as far as speed goes and and um a lot of patience too okay hey let's take a quick commercial break when we come back we have a whole other slew of questions to ask zach osborne about testing from you know how was one part to the next what's it like in those times between you know practice motos things like that so Give these commercials a listen, and we'll be right back, and we'll go from there. 
What's up? This is Justin Barsha of the Monster Energy Yamaha team and I trust the Rai helmet. I know that every helmet is handcrafted in Japan and that the people who work at Rai are obsessed with building the best helmet they could possibly can. Staying safe is a priority for me and this is why I choose Rai helmets. Hey guys, Hunter Lawrence here. Lately I've been spending a whole lot of time at the mountain bike trails in the local area on my intense primer and the thing's badass. For how good it is going up the hill, it's uh, amazing coming down the hill. It's uh, comfortable, nimble, and it doesn't feel uh, like you're going to go over the bars every five seconds. Uh, all their bikes in their lineup are awesome. So, yeah, you're ready to get serious about training on a cross country bike or crushing lap times at your local trails, or if you want to go a bit further, longer, and faster, they, they just brought out a new Taser e bike, which is, uh, yeah, everyone's given the double thumbs up on. So. Head down to your local Intense dealer or, or purchase uh, directly at IntenseCycles.com. Check it out, guys. What's up? This is Christian Craig. As a motocross racer, being in top physical shape is a must, and my favorite way to train is cycling. And whether it's road biking or mountain biking, I rely on Roy Cyclery to keep my bikes in perfect running order. Roy Cyclery has been servicing Old Town Upland, California since 1962. Mention the Swap Moto Life podcast for additional discounts in the shop. Hey, what's up, guys? Malcolm Stewart. Worst Connection has been building the best aluminum parts in the motocross for the last 30 years. From the awesome Pro Launch Start device and their original adjustable clutch perch assemblies, I am proud to use it on my Motoconcept Honda. Check them out at WorksConnection.com. What's up, Swap Moto fans? The Toyota of Escondido Action Sports team supports some of the biggest racers in the sport, like Aaron Plessinger, Shane McElrath, Dean Wilson, Axel Hodges, Colt Nichols, Brian Deegan, and more. With over two decades of supporting racers, we've become known as the place to buy a Toyota truck in Southern California. Toyota Escondido is a proud sponsor of the Swap Moto Live Show, and all you have to do to get the best deal on a quality Toyota truck is mention the show and tell them you want the action sports special. Check us out online at toyotaescondido.com for more. All right. Hey, everybody. Thanks for sitting through the commercials. We're back with part two of this podcast. So on this one, I want to just learn about the whole testing procedure. You know, we hear guys all the time talk about, yeah, we switched clamps or we did this setting or this. Well, you have to figure out how to get to that point. Zach is a great test rider. He's very in tune with what the bike does. So to hear his input on how he's learned to do that and how he can detect minute changes from part to part, it's going to be pretty interesting. So, Zach, for you, were you a good test rider as a kid? I mean, obviously so because you helped develop the whole KTM 85 package. Well, I think one thing that, yeah, for, for sure that was a huge, like, uh, jump start to my sort of testing skills, if you will. But one thing that really helped me was um, – I worked in my parents' uh, KTM shop for a long time, and just understanding what how things work and what I'm feeling, you know, in my mind, moving underneath me, or um, just knowing the process of, of what's going on underneath me, really helped me a lot, you know. And, and the better I can have stuff explained to me about what we're looking for. Obviously, it makes my job a little bit easier as a rider, but at the same time, um, sometimes we get stuff and they're like, just tell us what you think. And um, like having those skills from a young age, like the official, the first like official test I did, I was 12 years old and it was in Germany and 
it was pretty high pressure and um they were you know giving me all this stuff that was basically going to be be or change the way the production 85 was at the time um so i needed i needed to be pretty spot on and i think that that helped me a little bit with just kind of realizing um at a very young age how critical each piece is each part of the bike um how much things can change with you know taking a bolt out or changing a bolt from steel to tie or um just there's so many things that people don't quite understand and and like when we talk about bike setup on the podium and um in interviews and stuff like that like how critical and how crucial each little move is you know with with the the wp stuff right now like the clickers are really sensitive so one or two clicks like we can tell a big difference so you know we have to be very conscious of exactly what we're doing you know i have like i don't have a written graph or or paper um even though i'd like to uh have done so by now but i don't i almost have like a a written graph in my head of what each click i do or what each change i do is going to feel like you know as far as it's going to stiffen it here it's going to soften it here i'm going to be a little bit tighter in the corners um my my chassis feel is going to be a little bit more in the pegs and the bars so on and so forth so for me um just knowing how things work is is the biggest benefit for me i believe you being such a numbers guy but then also a big feel and emotion guy at the same time do you double like double check how the bike feels with lit pro data and lap time stuff or is it just like hey i know this feels faster or this feels one way do you have one way or another that really determines how you set the part um definitely lap time plays a big part in it but at the same time you know i'm riding a track and i'm trying to like go through this code in my head where okay if i take this to this track what's it going to feel like if i take it to this track what's it going to feel like if it's hard packed or harder packed than this or softer than this you know i'm trying to run through all that stuff so it's not just feeling what I'm feeling right then and there. It's, you know, planning for the next sort of six months, basically, um, as like my base, if you will, setting. So there's a lot more to just spinning laps than and picking parts than just, yeah, that simple phrase, you know. Mm-hmm. So for me, um, definitely lap time is key. Um, comfort is key. Um, if we're riding Supercross, whoops are key. You know, if I can get through the whoops, say three tenths better, but lose um, a tenth or two in one or two of the corners, you know, it's it's all a balancing act as far as um, the time goes and also my comfort and just overall feel of, of how I, I want the bike to be. Mm-hmm. Um, last year, especially when you guys first came back in, or you first came into the 450 class after injury last year, um, you openly said, hey, we're kind of missing the mark on what we had done in the preseason, and you guys had to make some changes to the bike. Is it hard for you to break out of that mindset after, hey, we've worked so hard to get to this point? Are you pretty open to change? Um, I've been pretty close-minded to change before this, before I started in the 450 class, but the, with the 450, the the setting and the bike is so much more sensitive with the weight and the chain torque and all that um, to each little change that you have to be kind of on the fly a little bit more, um, which is something I'm working on getting better at because like on the 250, 
I rode this, you know, basically the same setting from 2016 until I was done at Thunder Valley in 2018. So, you know, the better part of three seasons, I rode the same settings. Um, and it was just like clicks here or there, or, you know, Hey, we got this new, new engine hanger where you try it, but it was more or less the same setting. Um, but now with, with the 450, I've changed tons. Um, and, and you have to, you have to be more, uh, more lenient on feeling exactly what you want all the time. You know, sometimes you have to make some sacrifices, um, in some spots where you felt good and, and take it to other spots where you were so bad to just be good around the whole track. So, um, it's been a bit of a learning curve as far as that goes for me, uh, with the 450. Okay. The one big thing that we've seen, honestly, in the last like nine, 12 months pop up is this whole engine hanger aftermarket accessories boom. Can you explain to people how important that is? Like what each thing does, you know, carbon fiber to maybe that small hole that's drilled there, aluminum to steel, whatever it is, like how much that impacts the whole feel of the chassis? Uh, I mean, yeah, it's an insane amount uh, of change for us. You know, we have three options um steel aluminum and carbon um i'm a steel guy uh just because i feel like when i have the steel ones i can make my suspension a little bit stiffer and still be a little bit you know still find good comfort um there it it can change everything you know i i heard i've heard tons of rumors about people back in the day um running like uh particularly i heard this about rc running uh, one of his radiator shroud bolts uh, out or loose because it changed how stiff the bike was. Um, me, I run a rubber mounted skid plate because I don't like that that uh, stiffness between the frame rails. Um, every little thing changes changes something. I mean, whether you are good enough to feel it or not um, is a different thing, but it definitely changes something, you know. And I feel like um, after having ridden motorcycles for 25 years now and um, at, at a high level for 15 years, it's something that I, I enjoy and something that I, I have a, a decent feel for is just finding different parts and um, finding that comfort where I can take a little bit from here and put to there or, you know, move move the, the balance around on the bike and I mean, there's so many million things that you can do to a, a bike as far as that stuff goes that you you can get lost easy. And, that, and that's one of the biggest challenges about um, this whole thing is is not getting lost. You know, you can you can hit the setting and then keep testing and then you can't find your way back there. So I think it's really important for us to find something we're pretty comfortable with or, or really comfortable with and then say okay this is good we're going to mark all this down and then we're going to test from here and see how it goes and then we'll come back here at the end and see if we were better you know and and i mean in in my career nine times out of ten you end up right back there where you started you know but um that's that's what we what we're here for basically is is for um trying stuff so you you can't say no and you have to kind of give it a chance because every little piece can make it better Mm mm-hmm the relationship, I mean, I'm at your guys' pit all the time. So I see how you, to Scuba, to Feeney, to everybody else on the team all works together. And they're very, 
um, very good about letting you do what you need to do or whatever you feel is right. So for you as a racer, how important is it to have a group around you that understands like, hey, he wants to try something, so let's let him try this. Even if we don't think it's going to work, he needs to get this out there just so he knows it's going to go one way or the other. Yeah, that's that's key in my opinion. Um, and it's key for a rider to, you know, build a reputation that they're not going to blame the bike or they're not going to be like, well, you said this and, you know, that was your call. You're an idiot, blah, blah, blah. <clears throat> so it, it, you know, you want it to be instantaneous as, as a young guy, but it comes with age and um, track record and reputation that you can kind of do that. So for me, it's kind of an honor, if you will, um, that, that I have that brain, but also, you know, it, it's always easier to see from the outside in. So I, I trust Scuba a lot. I trust Dave a lot. Um, Todd, our suspension guy, Jim Anderson, there's like four or five guys around, around us that are really good, that have a really good eye and know even more about the, the process that's going on underneath my legs, um, than I do. So, uh, it's, it's kind of a smorgasbord of people that are, are kind of involved with the whole thing. But, yeah, it, it is awesome. That for me, that was really one of the keys to my success um, with with the Rockstar team was you know that they trusted me. They I quickly built a good relationship with with Dave and with Scuba, and we were able to um, lean on each other and just really find find the good stuff and stuff that I enjoy riding. Mm-hmm. Um, you have such a unique like body build and height and a riding style and all that stuff. So there's not a lot of parts that go from Dean's bike, say, to your bike. So basically everything that's on your motorcycle is all reflective of your choices, right? Uh, very much so, yeah. Comparing to a guy like Dean, it would be very different. Um, I'm a little closer to Cooper, but that's maybe just because we ride together so much. Um, we, we kind of bounce ideas off of each other and whatnot, but... Um, yeah, like my bars and stuff are super special uh, with the small ends. Um, my clamps are in the lowest clamps of anyone uh, in the in the company. Um, yeah, I, I'm pretty unique in in setting wise, I would say. Um, but also that comes from a little bit of stubbornness, maybe. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe just trying to uh, replicate my my 250 days a little bit or um whatever the case but yeah that's that's it's it's to each their own it's it's so custom to each person um i think dean actually runs uh i'm not sure if he he's still doing it or not but i think he runs uh steel bolts in his clamps and on his front end which makes a big difference as far as the stiffness goes um when the bike's new one thing that i'd like to do um, is loosen the, the torque specs off a little bit, like two or three Newton meters just to break the bike in because it's, it feels so stiff, um, in the very beginning, uh, which is something that people will probably, you know, the average rider would like laugh at or really write off. Um, but, but makes a huge difference in the, what I'm feeling on the bike. Mm -hmm. Okay. This is like a massive thing. All the stuff that you've explained, this is information and intelligence that you can only figure out from firsthand knowledge at any point do guys like roger DeCoster, everybody knows that roger's so in tune with what the bike does and all the things 
Do you guys ever sit down as a group and they educate you on this or is it just like trial by fire? You have to learn it through experience. Um, I would say it's like 90% trial by fire because they don't want to skew your thinking. You your know, opinion. Like if you go out there, right. Yeah. You know, a lot of what's said before you ride the bike is what you have in your mind. So, um, you know, occasionally if we, we are testing something that's kind of really new or um, something that they uh, have maybe some preconceived notions about that, that we need to know about, like, Oh, it has a characteristic that you're going to, you know, the front end is a little bit low. Like you'll get some, some knowledge like that. But as far as like really like a briefing um, of thing of sorts, no, nothing like that. Okay. Uh, the big thing with KTM and Husqvarna is the fact that the European branch in the MXGP circle with Hurlings and Jonas and Antonio Cairoli, all of that information is shared back and forth between that division and the American group. And the big thing that we've seen is the longer, lower-style header that has come over, which has changed the whole engine characteristic. For you, are you relying on a lot of the information from the MXGP scene, or is it all just, a we're, we're supercross, we're completely different? Um. Well, a, a little bit of both, but like they run a completely different um, frame and, and stuff like some of the stuff that we tried while we were there for the nations was pretty mind blowing at how different it was. Um, but, but, you know, as far as engine settings and that kind of stuff goes, um, there's also a little bit different because they have uh, crappy fuel and um, some other stuff. So they have to run a little bit more compression and whatnot to to make the bike uh, run as, as good as they want it to, mm-hmm. um, which for us would be possibly like a little bit too much power. Um, but yeah, uh, I think that we get a lot of our stuff from from their knowledge, but at the same time, um, the overall in-game is, is done here. Okay. Um, for you, you've seen all of this stuff forever. So is it still exciting to be the guinea pig for like a new material or a new design or something like that? Like, are you super into it or is it just like, Hey, put it on the bike and let me go do laps. No, I'm into it. Like I I like that kind of stuff. I like that side of the, of racing. I would love to, um, you know, someday step into a role like that. Maybe, um, I enjoy, um, how things are made, how things work. Um, I love working on bikes and junk really. Uh, mm-hmm. Yesterday we I stood you up because I was elbows deep in rebuilding the the carb on my pressure washer so I could um etch my back porch concrete. <laughs> um, <laughs> but that's that's just who I am. So yeah, uh, to answer your question, yeah, I love that kind of stuff and and um it still excites me a lot. Okay. The fact that Husky is cycling in so many guys um Alden's program now has so many young kids in it in the 250 team have ktm and husky put it on you to help educate these kids or is it something that you're doing on your own um a little bit yeah um but but not yet um you know i think that there will be a time for that but it's um it's not not quite yet because obviously i'm still um racing at a high level and i I need to focus on what i have going on but um you know also as as a just as a human, I guess you would say, I feel some obligation to help them. You know, I, I don't want to ever see anyone kind of have to go through the things that I had to go through to get to where I am. So, you know, any help that I can give, I feel like is, 
it's kind of just my civil duty more than anything to um, help them out. And, you know, there's so much to learn and, and you're, you're your least you're at your least moldable age and you need to be your most most moldable and learning the most uh of your whole career when you're 17 18 19 years old so um there's there is definitely um some interest for um me to help those guys at the races and stuff which i do as much as i can but um at the same time they don't really put a ton on me yeah because you still have a job to do which is to race and do as best you can not worry about what the kids at tld ktm are doing yeah exactly okay uh we'll get ready to start winding this down this has been huge like i've had so much fun talking about this i could talk to you about this all day because this stuff is so interesting like we all hear i think even to the fans they kind of they just think it's white noise when you guys talk about oh yeah we changed this setting or we changed this but to hear it come straight from your mouth of how minute a thing like a bolt density or a material or a, a half a turn on a click, that's a big deal. And it's cool to finally hear, hey, this is what that stuff reflects into. Um, we have plenty of time coming up too, so maybe we go part two on this in a couple weeks and really get into it without getting you fired from the team. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, I think that a lot, the biggest misconception is people are, are riding their, you know, stock bike, whatever, and they go and like click it five times and they can't feel anything. Um, a lot of that's going to be because they don't quite know what they're, what they're looking for. Mm -hmm. And number two is our stuff is like, you know, hypersensitive. The only way that I know how to explain it is maybe if you play golf, um, like pros want everything to be as stiff as possible. They want the stiffest shaft. They want blades. They want everything to be as cut down and, and like as stiff as possible so that they can have the maximum amount of feedback as to what they did you know, with each shot or whatever. Well, it's the same for us. Like everything is as stiff as possible, as sensitive as possible to give us the best chance at, at deciphering the code and at feeling every single piece of information that we can feel through our hands and feet. Gotcha. Okay. Last couple questions I have. Um, what do you guys do between those motos? Like when you do a practice moto and all that stuff, and then you go set in the air conditioning in Alden's garage, like, what is that time like? Do you want to just be by yourself so you can think about, hey, I just did this. This is where I was feeling strong. This is where I need to work on it. You know, we see a lot of those videos of you guys joking together. So what is that time like? Is it ever awkward or is it just like, yeah, I'm with my friends. I see them every day. Um, it gets awkward uh, occasionally. You know, if on a good day, no, it's awesome. Like we, those videos are about what it's like, you know, uh, or they are what it's like. That's as real as it gets. Um uh, you know, some days some guys are struggling and, and that it gets a little quiet. Um, but typically for the most part, like it is what it is at practice, you know, we're there to do a job. We, we all quite enjoy the job that we're doing and, um, appreciate the situation we're in. So it doesn't get too, too awkward. Um, typically we're just drinking some rock star and chilling. Mm-hmm. That's right. And then making those social posts. Um, yes. Next thing is food wise i know how gnarly you and Brittany are i mean you guys make almost all your own food um super organic very healthy especially under alden's program for you what do you take you know for those training days are you trying to have an empty stomach do you like to be loaded down or have you got it down to a science now of what you need um no i'm pretty i'm not too picky i actually on race day i have a really hard time um eating enough like i probably don't eat enough i'm kind of the nervous type so um, it's hard for me to get enough in, but, um, at practice, Brittany just packs my lunch every day and, um, 
it's typically, you know, some, some rice and some protein and, um, some salad. I like salad, um, especially cause it's so hot here in Florida. Like it's something like fresh and crisp. Um, uh, she, she bakes a lot. So she bakes some, some gluten-free baked goods for me that I enjoy to eat like between sessions, um, that are just some good sugar and carbs between, between the motos. Um, but other than that, not too, too picky as far as what, what it is in my lunchbox. She's, I'm kind of a garbage disposal disposal. <laughs> um, I used to hate celery, but I've recently come to be okay with celery. So as long as she doesn't pack celery or, mm, I don't know, there's not many things I don't eat, honestly, like, uh, you know, it'd have to be something pretty bizarre, okay. um, for me to be mad about it. <laughs> okay. Um, the heat thing, that's the big deal in Florida. That's why everybody went down there. Well, that and the property. Um, for you, are you a guy that likes to stay, do you like that sudden blast to go in the cold air after being in the motos? Or is it something where you're just like, hey, man, I don't mind being in the heat. Like for me personally, I, if I go to you know an East Coast National and it's super hot, from the minute I get off the plane, never run the air conditioning in the car, never run the air conditioning in the hotel room, always have the windows open. Because I, I enjoy the heat, but it's completely different for me than it is for you guys because my heart rate's not at 195 for 35 minutes. Yeah, for here, dude, in the in the summer, like it's so gnarly. Um, I'm trying to get in all the air conditioning I can get in. I ain't gonna lie to you. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, last question, and this is like story time with Zach. What is the coolest experience that you've had testing? You know, what is there a part or a bike that when they wheeled it out to you and showed it to you, you're just like, oh my god, this is sick. Mm-hmm. Um. I mean, one of the coolest things for me is my first experience ever, which was the KTM 85. Like I said, I was 12 years old. That was in 2002. Um, no one had even seen the thing at the time. It was like a bunch of 125 parts cut down um, to fit an 85. Like I still have some pictures of it today. Um, but it's, you know, up until the last like four or five years, it was the same. So for like 15 years, the bike that I basically did pre-production testing for was 90% the same, same motorcycle. And even the engine today is still quite the same. So that's one of the coolest things for me is just like being able to look back on that time, know how young I was and like kind of how inexperienced I was and kind of um, some of the impact, not that it wasn't like my decision or I did everything. Um, but uh, that was, that's just a really cool thing for me. Um, as far as trick pieces go, um, the bars that I run are really cool. They were a huge benefit for me. So that was one, that's one thing that I'm just like super grateful for from my career as far as, uh, testing, because at the time pro taper was looking for someone to try it for people like me to, to have small hands. And then they were actually gonna considering producing bigger ones for people with huge hands. So, um, that was really cool. And it's something that's hugely benefited my career. I, I feel like, um, Man, other than that, I mean, there's tons of cool carbon stuff that I've seen in my day, um, titanium stuff. Just it's it's you know that stuff that you always dream of of getting your hands on when you're an amateur or when you're riding um, as a you know as a hobby. It's just it's super cool. Does that make you knowing the you know how intricate the metals are, the process that goes through it? Does that make you appreciate the finished product of the motorcycle more? Oh yeah, like there. You know, and, and also like that's something that's I feel is really, really um, 
undervalued um, from from an outsider standpoint. Not definitely not from from me or from ninety nine percent of the riders. Is just the the assembly process of the bike is also huge. You know, like nothing can be in a bind or it changes what I'm feeling. Nothing can be over torqued or over over tightened or under tightened. You know, all that stuff makes a huge difference. So um, to have someone like Dave who's been doing it for twenty five years, that's just spot on and and down to the absolute quarter of a millimeter you know everything is spot on um makes a huge difference for the rider as well and and i think that you know like i said that's something that's super undervalued um is just how how much the process of a bike build um can change the finished build of a bike you know just all the wire tie and all the zip ties in the right spot that are cut perfectly and like all that stuff makes a huge difference for us I might have to get you and Feeney on a podcast together. I think that would be cool to hear that relationship of what Dave does with what you do and what you guys want because that's it's very important on how you have complete confidence in him that he's going to do it the right way and he knows exactly what you like down to the millimeter. Yeah, he does. And, like, I mean, it's rare that I have to move. move. I, I don't ever have to move my bars um, because we have a really good system for that. But, like, even my levers, like, I, I don't ever really have to do a ton with that. Like, when I show up and I sit down, like it's it's re- it's ready to go, you know. Cool. Well, hey, buddy, thank you very much. I appreciate this. I hope this brought a lot of insight for people to understand. Hey, this is this is what these guys talk about when they get on the podium and they say, "Hey, we we changed this or we did this." Zacho, you're probably one of the best guys that could explain that. So I appreciate this time. Uh, enjoy the time with the family. We'll we'll do part two of this later on. I want to learn more about this because, I mean. I feel like I'm a much better motorcycle journalist now because I've gotten some experience and some knowledge from you on how this all works. Oh, I appreciate that. I, it's something I enjoy talking about and that, that, you know, it's not really a, a normal or um, average topic of conversation because there's, you know, people want other stuff and um, they, they're never really looking for this side of things. But yeah, it's really cool. Thank you. Cool. Well, hey, buddy, thank you very much. Uh, I'll talk to you guys soon. Everybody, thanks for listening to this week's episode of the Fly Racing Swap Moto Podcast. We'll talk to you soon. We put our heads together to both reimagine and lift the bar on what a modern motocross helmet should be. Opt for the highest level of modern technology and energy dispersion with the Fly Racing Formula Helmet. Designed for an elevated defense against a wider range of real-world impact scenarios. Globally engineered with the most advanced materials and technologies available. Outfit yourself with proven technology, lightweight performance, and elevated impact management with the Fly Racing Formula Helmet.